What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Dwight Chocolate Podcast. Here we are, one week away from the start of the NBA season. Um, and despite uh, us getting even closer to the NBA season, two guys still had huge paydays to close out this offseason. Sean, are you man, excited? The news, yeah, man, the news keeps on coming. The season's almost here. What a time to be alive. Yeah. So as we start this off, let me start this podcast off with a trivia question to you, Sean, and I'll reveal the answer to you at the end of the episode, unless you can guess it right with this one single guess that you're going to get right now. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So the question Game is, on. who is Kanye West's favorite basketball player? Ooh, Kanye West's favorite basketball player. All right. So Kanye sees himself as a genius. Uh, so I gotta have someone cocky. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Russell Westbrook. Ah, good guess, good guess. Um, but er, incorrect. However, Aww. you're close. <laughs> you're close in that you guessed the guy who plays the same position as the guy who is the right answer. But you okay. have to wait for that answer. But anyways, this All week right. in NBA history, on October 12th, a couple, actually a couple decades ago, Magic Johnson made his NBA debut against the San Diego Clippers, scoring 26 oh. points to help the Lakers win 103 to 102, and then close it wow. off with a bear hug to Kareem as he hit the game-winning hook shot. And that leads Man, to awesome. our to our big topic for today, which is our Pacific Division breakdown preview. Yeah. We're going to talk Lakers and Clippers and ignore the other three teams. Yeah. Funny enough, though, is like <laughs> the Lakers and the Clippers actually open up their season playing against each other as well. So maybe we see an encore performance, but this time it's Lonzo Ball, maybe? Yep. Yeah, maybe. I would love to see that. And we're going to see it live if it happens. Yeah, we scored our tickets to the opening game for the Lakers versus Clippers. But uh, let's go. Let's talk about the guys who just got paid. Starting off with Joel Embiid, who just signed his five-year, $148 million extension. Now, I didn't think this deal was going to happen this offseason. I thought this was going to drag on all season. I thought there was going to be a lot of pushback from Joel Embiid's camp because... The contract that was signed is a bit complex, and I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean, this this is pretty crazy. Like, I would have thought that they would have waited until he actually played more than half a season mm -hmm. to give him money like this. But, yeah, the, the dude, he's played, what, 31 games over the last three seasons? Yeah. Missing a full year? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, man, like, so what? what are some of the details of this contract that, like, some stipulations that would prevent him from being paid this full amount. Yeah, so the contract is a bit complex, and the 76ers made sure to protect themselves from this. So a detail that was just released is is this, is the 76ers can void this contract if Embiid misses 25 or more regular season games due to fit, foot or back injuries. Essentially, the 76ers are protecting themselves from Embiid missing games due to injuries that he's historically already had. So theoretically, oh. if uh, Joel Embiid M Joel Embiid's NBA career just absolutely ends because of a wrist injury, the 76ers still have oh. to pay him. But if his wow. NBA career, uh, this is obviously worst case scenario, ends yet again because of the same foot injuries he's already suffered, then the 76ers can go ahead and void that contract. So they are protecting okay. themselves from this huge gamble that they made. Um, and it's kind of funny when you look at it because, like you mentioned, Joel Embiid has only played 31 games over the last three seasons, which is less than the 82 games that Greg Oden played in his last in his first three seasons. Wow. So Greg Oden played 82 games. I don't remember any of them. 
Right. So it's kind of funny. The 76ers <laughs> in the NBA are being a bit kind uh, to Joel Embiid. And I guess why not? I mean, the guy's shown flashes of greatness in the in the small sample size that we have thus far. Right. I mean, yeah, the difference is between a guy like Embiid and a guy like Odin is Embiid. He took the league by storm mm-hmm. last year, the beginning of the season. Like no one saw this coming, averaging 29 points, 11 rebounds, being dominant on the floor being a very commanding force Mm -hmm. um this guy could be a generational talent so i mean you gotta invest in that i guess yeah i am a bit surprised that joel and beats camp like i said didn't push back a little bit more since in the specific language it's 25 or more regular seasons regular season games and it's funny because joel and beat has already missed way more than 25 regular season games Due to these injuries, I mean, he's missed an entire season, so I'm surprised that there wasn't a bit more of hardline negotiating to get that number up or maybe try to get rid of that clause in the contract, but uh, this is what they settled on, so Joel Embiid will be a 76er, and let's see where this young team can go now. Yeah, I mean, what that tells me, too, is just that like Embiid seem, will seem pretty confident that he's not going to miss any more games with these injuries. Right. He must he must feel fully healthy. I mean, he even played in uh, their last preseason game today, uh, put up 20 points in 15 minutes. Um, so yeah. he's looking good. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, and let's see what he can do. I certainly hope for the best, but looking at the some of the signings this offseason, I got to say that this is probably the biggest gamble offseason signing because, I mean— Oh, yeah. Look at it. You're you're giving max max money to a guy who has historically not really been able to hit the court. Um, and if it goes in the worst case, you sort of ruin your lo- your long term financial flexibility. I mean, he's taking up cap space, but I guess in the long term, you got yourself a a future NBA superstar. Yeah, I mean, and they maybe they'll even sign him after that. I mean, if he's able to make it through five years healthy miraculously, mm-hmm. like he'll still just be in his late twenties. Like he, they could resign him again. They could have him for ten years even. Like this could be the face of the franchise for the next decade. Right, and you got a couple guys to pair him with as well in Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons. Um, see if any yeah. of these guys turn up. Trust the process. That's their motto. That's the process. Yep. <laughs> the process getting paid. Yep. So moving on from there, we got Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins also got his extension. Five years, $150 million. Another guy, I was surprised that they uh, they actually signed him this offseason. I was thinking this was also going to drag on through the regular season. They were going to revisit it after the end. Um, but here it is. Um, so... They're banking on Andrew Wiggins is going to come in and help end the Minnesota Timberwolves' 13-year playoff drought and become that second that second star next to Carl Anthony Towns and then Jimmy Butler as well if he sticks around. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this yeah, signing? Well, I mean, yeah, this is a pretty crazy signing too. I mean, Andrew Wiggins has shown good improvement in his offensive game. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like we mentioned in our previous podcast, he is ranked as the absolute worst defender in the league. Like, the yeah. absolute worst. And you're going to give this guy the max. Like, a guy like James Harden, like, he's a mediocre defender, sure. He's not the worst defender. And Andrew Wiggins doesn't even have as good offensive numbers as Harden. Yeah. So, give, giving this guy the max, like, you're just really banking on him improving in every facet of his game. Yeah, you're definitely not signing him due to his production right now at the current moment. Because though Andrew Wiggins is a good player... I mean, he barely cracks the top 40 of NBA players in this league. Um, so you're giving oh, totally, him a yeah. deal that 
that's common for guys that are easily the top 15 players in this game. So you're banking on Andrew Wiggins making a big jump. And I think the potential is definitely there, but it's a matter of seeing because if there's one thing that is on Andrew Wiggins' side compared to Joel Embiid is Andrew Wiggins has been consistent. The guy hasn't really missed any NBA games. I think he's missed yeah, maybe true. three or four. So he can play. He can yeah, get on the court. So we'll see. Yeah, um, he'll, he'll be there. Yeah, and I was just going to say it's kind of funny because I think uh, the Timberwolves owner, Glenn Taylor, actually kind of feels the same way we do. And why wouldn't he? He's the guy actually writing these checks. And here's a quote <laughs> yeah. from him. To me, by making this offer, I'm speculating that his contribution to the team will be more in the future. And he goes on to say, we've got to be better. He can't be paid just for what he's doing today. He's got to be better. So Glenn Taylor essentially calling out Andrew Wiggins, telling him, you've got, you got the, you got the contract now. You got to be better. You got to improve. Yeah. I mean, that that's really hard as an owner, as a guy writing the check to be like, okay, like this guy definitely isn't worth the max now, but do I have to invest in him before he start or before he gets to the end of his current contract and starts fielding offers from other teams mm-hmm. and potentially lose out on a guy that could become the next superstar, the next face of the NBA. Um, and he sees that potential in him. He's gonna, he's just gotta have to pull the trigger. Yeah. Um, just to lock him down. Cause like we said, like we, they don't want to be in this 13 year playoff drought anymore. They probably want to get a playoff run going. Yeah. Um, and they feel like Andrew Wiggins is going to, be a large part of that yeah you definitely don't want another decade of missed playoff opportunities of mediocre basketball i mean there's got to get to a point where glenn taylor's probably getting worried about fans coming to a stadium or whether people are even excited about timberwolves merchandise or anything like that i mean he's got to think about it that way as well so in a way andrew wiggins signing is justified you put a little more optimism into the timberwolves fan base yeah definitely so moving on from there, Kevin McHale, the former uh, <laughs> Houston Rockineer, comes out and calls out their best player, his former his former player as well, calling James, saying that James Harden is not a leader. James Harden, of course, feels the need to defend himself, and why doesn't he? He should, and responds by calling McHale a clown. Oh wow, <laughs> harsh words from both of these guys. Yeah thoughts on this you think this is a big topic something we shouldn't care about is it juvenile or if james harden just not even has touched this i mean it, it's a complete non-issue but i mean at the same time like i don't know where kevin McHale's coming from not calling james or calling james harden not a leader mm-hmm. like the dude was basically the only go-to guy on his team last year when they got the third seed in a really stacked western conference made it to the second round of the playoffs and was the runner-up MVP, and I don't know what what else do you want? Like, what else do you need to do to be called a leader? You know, I don't know. Yeah, and I think it's a little unfair statement coming from Kevin McHale, uh, not because also because of the things you just listed, but also I think Kevin McHale maybe carries some bias of his Celtic days when he played with Larry Bird and Bill Walton and all those guys. They were essentially a dynasty. Um, and I think James Harden, the Houston Rockets, as good as they are, they're not that team. They're not going to go to the finals multiple times. So I think it's a little unfair. Maybe he was carrying that with him and put uh, try to put James Harden in that context. Though, I mean, to James Harden's defense, with that being said, I think James Harden, I mean, he's still a top five player in this league. Like, even if he's not 
a vocal leader or like Abraham Lincoln or Martin Luther King of the NBA. The dude is still an awesome player, and I'm sure there's a lot of guys that that take his example lead of the way he he comes out and plays every night. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, but do you think that it's disrespectful to call an NBA legend like Mikhail a clown? I think I don't think so, man. I think I'm, <laughs> I'm with all James Harden, man. Stand up for yourself. It don't matter who he is. I mean, James Harden. I mean, Ke- Kevin McHale called them out on national TV, you know. And why not? Why can't James Harden defend himself? Sure, it could be a waste yeah, sure. of your he time a little bit, him- but. Yeah, I mean, Harden probably puts himself in the same category. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be a Hall of Famer one day, too. Like, I'm right. allowed to say whatever I want. I, I mean, as long as it's not obviously, like, controversial. But yeah, you can call Mikhail a clown. Yeah, I mean, why not? Let James Harden wants to defend his legacy. He wants to defend his place in the league. And he's like I said, he's a top five player in this game right now. So I think it's a little unfair what Kevin McHill came out and said about him. Yeah, he'll <laughs> prove him wrong this season. Yeah. We'll see. Um, and then moving on, uh, general NBA news. Adam Silver at a preseason game at China hints uh, potentially changing the playoff format to top 16, similar to what we see in the WNBA. What do you think, Sean? Would this make the NBA playoffs any more exciting for you? Could this happen? Mm, uh, I don't I don't think so. So, this, I mean, if you take away playoff like the current playoff format change it to just top 16 why do you even have an east and west conference Mm -hmm. like the whole point of having i feel like the whole point of having the east west conference is because you have the top eight from each have an equal chance to win the finals and i mean they're already leaning going that against that with the all-star game reform where you have it just the playground style top two guys get to pick their teams there's no east versus west anymore there i mean yeah, if you're going to do this, you might as well just scrap the conferences altogether. Yeah, um, I think the conferences would probably just maybe still exist just because just for scheduling purposes. Like you would still play the teams closer to you, the teams in your division a lot more as opposed to, I mean, the Los Angeles Lakers playing the Miami Heat four times a year. Instead, they'd still keep they'd still play their Western Conference or their West Coast rivals. Um, but if you do that, then you kind of you're 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 a little bit at an unfair advantage um if you're if you play in the western conference versus a team in the eastern conference like the miami Heat, who would play a lot weaker teams through their regular season and could end up with a higher seed yeah i don't i don't like it i I feel like that's it's more something he's thought about but you can't just say okay we're just gonna have top 16 now like it has to be a little more than that you can't just hastily make this decision Mm mm-hmm and and I think he'd have some trouble trying to push this, and mainly I think it would come from the owners. I mean, if you switch to a top sixteen format, potentially there could be a lot of Western Conference finals. I mean, Western Conference teams going to the playoffs, and if you're the Charlotte Hornets, <laughs> yeah, you might never go to the playoffs ever again. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't see some of these East teams voting this in. It's like, yeah, teams like the Pacers and the Hornets, they're like perennially get the seventh and eighth seed in the east like no we need this the playoff ticket revenue we can't we can't have that yeah it would be a tough sell i mean i mean who would you would the majority would be western conference teams i'm i'm looking at it now even the Cavs. oh yeah we wouldn't see the Cavs in the finals again oh yeah Uh, yeah i don't know about that (laughs) i'm not a fan of it (laughs) yeah anyways moving on the nba preseason is almost coming to a close but we had a couple games this week stand out 
I think to me most notably is the Cavs getting blown out by the Chicago Bulls, a team that I think <laughs> is in the running to be the worst team in this league. David uh, Nwaba, though. Yep. But LeBron James coming out and having probably one of his worst games that I can remember, 17 points and eight turnovers. Um, the Cavs were blown out, losing 108-94 the Chicago Bulls. LeBron James uh, notably blamed his bummed left ankle for his bad performance. But I think a lot of it had a lot more to do with the Cavaliers. This is the first time that they tried out their new starting five, which is Kevin Love at the five. Jay Crowder at the four, LeBron James at the three, Dwayne Wade at the two, and Derrick Rose at the one. Um, so, yeah. what is your reaction to I this? I, uh, not much. I there. I don't think there's much to be concerned about. I mean, obviously, I can just play the it's the preseason card, but also this lineup is like completely different. Yeah, like LeBron and Love are working with pieces that they've never worked with before, and. It's just them trying to figure each other out and how to play together. And I mean, it's been a few years even since LeBron and Wade have played together, and they're all, they're both older now, so they're gonna have to figure out each other's games. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think you're even gonna see this with a bunch of other teams in the NBA that completely change the look of their teams, like the Celtics, even too. Yeah, like the first 15, 20 games of the season, you're just gonna see them trying to figure things out, and they might have a slow start. Right, kind of like uh, like the oh seven oh eight Heat. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it just especially when you're a team as deep as the Cavs, I think you're going to see a lot of different starting lineups being played, um, and guys, maybe some guys starting, some guys sitting, but still somehow ending playing equal amount of minutes. And I hope this isn't foreshadowing any chemistry issues, especially J.R. Smith coming out and saying that he's feeling absolutely frustrated with the loss of his starting role um, to Dwayne Wade, which is, I think, a little surprising that J.R. Smith didn't see this coming. Oh yeah, no, I totally agree. Dwayne Wade doesn't come to Cleveland to play bench warmer. He came to play starting role in a ba- on a competitive basketball team, and he can still ball. Yeah, I, I don't know what Jr. So, I, I mean, also, I, it's totally premature for him to think that his role on the team has been diminished a lot. Like Dwayne Wade's not gonna play a lot of minutes. He's older now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're gonna see Jr. come off the bench and play about the same minutes as Dwayne Wade, honestly. Right, and at times I could see J.R. Smith even closing the game depending on what the Cavaliers might need at that exact moment. I don't think anything is set in stone. I think the Cavaliers moving forward are going to operate a lot more situational uh, depending on what what the team needs at that exact moment uh, and also depending on the matchups that they need on the floor. I mean, Tristan, we might see Tristan Thompson starting at times. Um, and J.R. Smith, right. again, coming back into that starting lineup. Yeah, instead of being frustrated, you just got to earn your way back on the starting spot if you've been relegated. Like, yeah, don't don't whine about it. Do something about it. Yeah, or anything. J.R. Smith could probably flourish in that second unit. Uh, he's a great ball handler, but you don't really get to see that when he's playing alongside LeBron James. And I think when yeah. he's playing in the second unit, we could see him distributing the ball and also becoming that primary scorer. So in a way, his scoring numbers might actually go up slightly from last year. Yeah, definitely. I, I could see that happening too. I mean, yeah, let's see what you got, JR. And Yeah, I, th- I think it'll be a slow start for the Cavs to start the season, but I think in the end they'll fi- they'll figure it out. And then, but then I, Isaiah Thomas will come to the picture. Mm. Then they'll have to figure it out again. It, it'll be a tough season chemistry wise for them, but 
I think by the time the playoffs come, they'll have all figured out their role. Right. And then moving on to the second game that stood out to me is the Kings versus Lakers. Um, <laughs> the the Lakers ended up winning this, or the Kings seventy five to sixty nine. Um, notably about this game is people were waiting to see De'Aaron Fox and Lonzo Ball match up, but yet again they don't. And Boogie Cousins Lonzo's still sitting out, still sitting out. Boogie Cousins calls him out via Instagram on a comment. Um, he says, "Shorty got to stop running from that action." <laughs> Obviously referring to Lonzo Ball. That's funny. Yeah, that's funny. I, I like how, how Boogie's still following what the Kings are doing. and he, He's exci- as excited for De'Aaron Fox as anybody, I bet. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Maybe he'll have a courtside seat on November 22nd when they finally have their regular season matchup. Yeah, Lonzo just got to stay healthy until then, hopefully. I mean, ho- we're just hoping he can at least be there for the start of the regular season. Yep. Um, so now let's get to some quick topics. Isaiah Thomas says he won't speak to Danny Ainge again. Ainge, Danny Ainge responds by saying he understands the emotions and that Isaiah Thomas is hurt, but it's a business and Danny Ainge understands what he's feeling because he also was traded twice as a player. What's your quick reaction to this? Oh man, I wish it wasn't have to be a quick reaction because there's actually a whole SI article about it, mm. about Isaiah Thomas's time uh, during this like during this period, and he he yeah it hurts and but both sides are justified in feeling the way they do. Danny Ainge has to be a good GM, and Isaiah Thomas uh, gave all he could as a player. So yeah, both sides are justified to feel the way that they do. Yep, they're justified to feel, but. You got to move on, I think. Um, so let's go to fantasy basketball. A lot of people are starting to put their leagues together. Who's your top pick, Sean? Who's your top pick to be a bust? Ooh, a bust. Okay, I'm going to have to go with... Oh, man. I haven't thought too much about the busts. I'm going to go with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons? Yeah, I think he's going to get drafted a lot higher than his pre-draft value. Mm-hmm. And people are gonna be disappointed that he's just not NBA ready yet. Oh, what's your top sleeper pick? Uh, my top sleeper pick. I'm gonna go with. Oh man, right off the top of my head, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Donovan uh, the rookie Mitchell. on Utah Jazz. Um, I watched him play in a preseason game yesterday. He put up 26. Um, on a team that's gonna lack a lot of scoring, so I think he's gonna get some significant time there. Nice. It's only fair. Here's my top pick. Uh, I actually have D'Angelo Russell as my sleeper pick. Uh, the dude. Ah, I like it. Yeah, he's ranked uh, in in the low 50s among a bunch of leagues, but I think D'Angelo Russell might be able to crack the top 30. Uh, the dude just yeah. scored 24 points in this last preseason matchup. There's nothing there going go. on with the Brooklyn Nets, so D'Angelo Russell's <laughs> pretty much got free. He's got the keys to do whatever he wants, and I think the dude can score the ball, so... I think we might see him have a huge rise in in terms of fantasy basketball as the season plays out. Yeah, I like that pick, man. I like it. Yeah, and my top bust is actually a guy that I called Mr. Consistent on our last podcast, and that's Paul Millsap. He's ranked in the top 30 in a lot of leagues, and I think Age is going to get to him, and I think uh, Jokic is going to steal a lot of his momentum. So I think he's going to go for a downfall this, this NBA season. Okay, interesting. Well, now I know who to target in our draft that we have next Monday. I know. I was debating whether or not to bring this topic up because I was like, <laughs> you're going to know some of my secrets. But here's uh, a top well, reaction. We... <laughs> here's guess who the top selling team uh, is via StubHub, the Los Angeles Lakers. Are you surprised? I'm not honestly surprised. No, <laughs> I'm not. 
I'm not surprised at all, dude. The Lakers are the most hyped team in the league. Yeah, and that leads perfectly into the Pacific Division, but we won't start off with the Lakers. They're hyped, but they're not good. Let's be <laughs> honest. The team that is good in the Pacific Division, yeah, they might be good, but nonetheless, not comparable to these guys. <laughs> these boys can play. Yeah, the, yeah. The Warriors, the kings of the Bay, kings <laughs> of the NBA as well. No, um, yep. Let's break these guys down. Yeah, Their new I mean, arrivals, yeah. Amir Kasip, Nick Young, and Jordan Bell. Yeah, and departures, uh, no one really cares. I think <laughs> Ian Clark and James McAdoo, uh, two meaningless players. So, yeah, the team is exactly the same. They're going to win 70 games. They're going to make the finals and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this team is set up the best way you possibly can get it's almost like a game like a team in the video games really somehow you get durant to accept slightly less money so you can re-sign andre guadala to a deal that he finds fair so you bring him back uh you somehow orchestrate a draft day trade to get jordan bell the former pac-12 defensive player of the year so you got a young athletic guy there to bring off the bench uh, you bring Nick Young. Yeah, honestly, their their bench only improved. Yeah, like you just said, like Nick Young, Omri Caspi, and Jordan Bell only all only bring more pieces for them. Yeah, and that's the scary thing with this team is like as challengers have come up, whether we're talking about OKC, the Rockets, or the Cavaliers, uh, their biggest weakness are actually their bench, and it's and it's actually a strength of the Warriors. Like Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala, all these guys know how to play, and they play well together, and they hold leads throughout throughout the games, and at times they actually like beat up a, a pretty badly on other teams' second units. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, where, where's this team's weakness then? If they have an improved second unit and the ri most ridiculous starting lineup in the league, like, what do you do against them? Yeah. So there's only one thing you can do, and that's pray for bad health, I guess. And that's what I have as the X factor on this <laughs> Which team. Which is horrible. Is this, is it's such a horrible thing to, like, that's that's their thing, is <laughs> get injured. Yeah, I mean, I just don't see it. Despite the moves everybody's made, I think the Warriors are still going to go to the NBA Finals. And if everything goes normal then they're gonna end up winning the nba title so if they stay healthy i think they win the nba finals right yeah i mean unfortunately i have to agree it's just it's so cool how much stuff happens in the nba and how much but sad how much none of it is gonna matter in the end yep yeah, and I mean, this big storyline to follow with these guys is essentially how many games can they win? Will they set an NBA record, break the NBA record that this same franchise set a couple of years ago? Um, and I guess you can follow along with the Kevin Durant drama as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, will, will there will be any more Durant-Westbrook drama? Maybe even more now that the Thunder are a more legitimate contender. All right, moving down to Southern California, we got the Los Angeles Clippers. Sean, your team, the Los Angeles Clippers. They it's my boys. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll All take right. the wheel on this one. So, um, so we got a lot of new additions. Uh, we got Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, Danilo Gallinari, Milos Teodosic, Milos the Magic, next Magic Teodosic. potentially. <laughs> right. Sam, and then we got uh Sam Decker and Montrez Harrell. A lot of these guys coming in on the departure of Chris Paul. 
in that trade with mm-hmm. the Houston Rockets. And then we also lost a lot of key pieces. Uh, Jamal Crawford, J.J. Redick, Luke Mabamute, Ray Felton, Maurice Bates, and Brandon Bass. What so, about the truth? A huge overhaul. <laughs> and Paul Pierce. <laughs> yeah, whatever. He barely played last year. Um, but, yeah, so we had a complete overhaul of our team, um, which I think it was long overdue. Um, Chris Paul's awesome, but... We could just never get out of the second round of the playoffs. We, that Clipper curse was yeah. all too real. Um, so, yeah, we brought in Jerry West to be a consultant. We made Doc Rivers just the coach, uh, got a actual front office guy to help lead that organization. And, yeah, we got a new look Clippers, and it'll be exciting to see how all these guys mesh yeah, together. Um, Pat Beverly, I was going to say, it's huh? a step forward. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for these guys. These are all solid players. I mean, Pat Beverly and Milos are both solid point guards mm-hmm. in their own respect. Pat Beverly more on defense, Milos more on offense. Um, so we'll see how they can fill the void left by Paul. That's a huge void to fill. But uh, between two guys, uh, they're gonna try yeah. their best. And you bring in Lou Williams, uh, who averaged 17 and a half points a game last year, basically a younger Crawford. Yeah. Uh, just guy that's going to come off the bench, score a lot of points, and I mean, not do much else, but that's all you're really asking Yeah, to it's do. interesting with that three-guard rotation. Uh, since Patrick Beverly, he's played the point guard, but really in his career, he's always played against somebody else who can who can handle the ball a little bit better than him. I mean, back in Houston, obviously he played alongside yeah. uh, James Harden, and then earlier on, he would play alongside Aaron Brooks. So Patrick Beverly... It's essentially going to be challenged a little bit with this team a lot more with his skill set. Yeah, I think so. And and because of that, when Pat Beverly is on the floor, I think you're going to see Blake Griffin handling the mm. ball a lot, actually, being that, that point yeah. forward. Um, he's done that in the past when Chris Paul has been hurt. He's He has all the, all the opportunity in the world now to prove that this is his team. He's the superstar. And he like that actually people do see him mm-hmm. as a superstar um so that'll be interesting to watch um but i mean i still have them trending down slightly just because it's a new team i mean it's chris paul you lost like doesn't get much worse than that but i still think that they'll actually finish in the playoffs which some people don't have them finishing in the playoffs i think that they will be the sixth seed i have, I have a lot of confidence in this team and it's probably based a lot in bias but I don't know. They have yeah, a lot of I agree with you. I think they can finish in the sixth seed. I think that's in their realm of possibility. And really more, I'm cheering. I'm hoping they finish sixth to set up that first-round matchup with the Rockets, who I think will finish third in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If if people, the, the conspiracy theorists, want to say the NBA is rigged, I mean, what better way to rig the NBA than make Houston play the Clippers in the first round of the playoffs? I, I don't think you could get a much better yep, matchup I will be that. cheering for that. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, the the Clippers' depth, like with all the moves that that, that they did have to make, uh, they look great off the bench. I think this second unit's gonna be able to compete with the best of them. I mean, you're gonna be starting Pat Beverly or Milos at some point in the season. The others is gonna come off the bench and still be a solid mm-hmm. ball handler to really run the offense. And um, the X factor for this team, Austin freaking Rivers. Rivers. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. I mean, yeah, this guy, man, he just kind of feels like a thorn in your side as a Clipper fan. 
you don't you don't know what exactly his role is on this team. Like he's played point guard sometimes, he plays shooting guard, he always underperforms and he always gets a lot of playing time. Coach's son, classic. And just like every time he comes in he makes some stupid mistake. I'm just like, Ugh, a freaking Austin Rivers, man. I can't stand this guy. He's still on this team and he but, might be the root of some of the chemistry yeah. issues that they had on the in the past. Maybe. I mean, there's rumors that circulate around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it could be, but I mean, I'm I'm just thinking if this team's gonna it is gonna improve and actually be a contender, um, the shooting guard position is pretty weak if you're only considering him and Lou Williams as the mm-hmm. guys there. Um, with Austin Rivers actually on the depth chart slated to start at the beginning of the season, so he he's got a lot to prove uh, that he's worth more than just being right. the coach's son. Yeah, and then the storyline to follow here, I think, is just, like I mentioned before, can Blake Griffin play the superstar role and be a true leader on this team and stay healthy all at the same Big time? Big question mark there. And I'm, it's going to be exciting yeah. to see where Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan's development moves goes moving forward with this franchise now without Chris Paul. And let's see what they can produce. I mean, knowingly, they still have some weaknesses, I would say, in terms with DeAndre Jordan with the, his free throw percentage. And like you so Right. Uh, they didn't really solve that. Like, who are they going to play at that five spot coming down the line? I guess you play Blake and maybe Golinari at the four. But you really become a pretty weak defensive right. team there. Yeah, I guess Gallinari is worth mentioning a little more too. I mean, the guy can score. He's a huge six foot ten mm-hmm. shooter. Um, also very injury prone, yeah. like Blake. Um, really, the whole the whole story with this team is gonna be health. Like, if they can all stay healthy, like, there's a lot of pieces there, a lot of weapons. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, but yeah, yeah, DeAndre Jordan is gonna have to lock it down in center. I think his backup's Willie Reed. What a name. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he he's got he's got a lot of work to do down low. Yeah, moving across the street, their crosstown rivals is the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> well, if there's an upside to the Clippers, is they'll at least be better than this team. So, <laughs> supposedly, supposedly, not yeah, according, not to, according Lamar to Lamar Ball. Ball and some overly optimistic Laker fans. I like to pride myself as being a Laker fan, but that isn't the overly optimistic one, or like kind of borderline. <laughs> uh, you're, you're I try to be, yeah, I try thing. to be. So here, here's the breakdown <laughs> on this team. Their new additions is Caldwell Pope, 23-year-old, who averaged 13.8 points last year, but shot 40% from the field. So that's always been a uh, my complaint with his signing is Caldwell Pope. He's a he's a young player, but he's very he's been very inconsistent. He puzzles on the defensive end and definitely plays with energy. But I really hope there's something they can do to get that shooting a little bit more consistent if he's going to have any impact on this team. And then you also add Brooke Lopez, a guy who can aver- who's averaged 20 points and five rebounds. Solid addition, an improvement at that five spot. Obviously, this was a result yeah, totally. of the D'Angelo Russell trade um, and alongside Timothy Mozgov. And, of course, we lose Swaggy P, who just signed with the Golden State Warriors but the big story, obviously, the are the additions through the draft. That number two pick, Lonzo Ball, the most hyped number two pick probably in the history of this league. Lonzo. You also add uh, Josh Hart. And this guy who's kind of picked up a huge following this 
this preseason is Kyle Kuzma. The man has arrived. Dude, Kuzma. Uh, this this man is going to surprise I know, so, so many people. I'm not. So this is the thing. is like because the Los Angeles Lakers have such a huge following as a team, I almost feel like that gives an effect to players and makes them seem almost better than what they really are. So I'm kind of worried that that's having an effect on this Cole Kuzma phenomenon. Like he's playing good, no doubt about <laughs> it. But I, I, I do think we need to adjust our expectations a little bit. Although I do hope he does become a great player. But Kyle Kuzma, 22 year old, coming drafted out of Utah, originally from Flint, Michigan, and I like this guy a lot. I just recently read the Bleacher Report story that they wrote about him. So this guy kind of essentially grew up with his single mom working two jobs. They grew up in Flint, Michigan. He absolutely hates it there. He says his goal in life is to never end up there again. Um, I guess what better place oh, to wow. be than Los Angeles? Uh, this seems like a guy who works really hard. And it's kind of interesting because there's this um, there's this little snippet video going around of Lonzo Ball. And essentially in an interview, he gets asked about Kuzma. And he says, in college... He wasn't that good, to be honest. I don't even remember playing against him. <laughs> oh, wow. The disrespect. the disrespect. Obviously, Lonzo Ball enjoys having him as a as a teammate, but this is a guy who is essentially could be the, the steal of the draft and a guy who could take the Lakers um, a little bit further, hopefully moving along through the further years. Um. So I'm actually going to give you a little bit of flack right now. You should be ashamed... That you missed the most important departure from the Lakers. David Nova, right? <laughs> Obviously. How did you not? He's not even on your list. I mean. Did you do that? Did you do that to spite me? Honestly, like, I just kind of forgot about him. Wow. <laughs> I'm hurt. I'm honestly I mean, come on, hurt. he wasn't there the whole time. And yeah, he did do a lot for the summer league. Oh, but uh, and looking at this team, like the way Kuzma's <laughs> been playing and you got Caldwell Pope, I think Nwaba would have had a hard time mm. getting on staying on this roster. And it looks like he found a spot mm. on on the well, Bulls. I will kindly agree <laughs> to disagree with you. Sir. Anyways, so here we go for the biggest win from that net net trade. I think I'm gonna have to say that Kuzma is actually the biggest thing that came out of that trade. Um, this guy's average, this guy's averaged oh, 19 sure. points so far in this preseason. Um, and sure, it's just 19 points, but when you really break it down, take check out this stat. That's actually puts him as the number seven scorer in the league up to this point, alongside his 42% shooting from wow. three. So Kyle Kuzma is actually in the running for the scoring title for the preseason. Yeah, let's not let's not overreact <laughs> yeah. here. I mean, obviously. <laughs> It's not getting Obviously, it ourselves. would be over optimistic uh, Laker fans throwing this around, but let's let's just let's why not keep some optimism going around here as well. Um, so I do, but because of the, all these young pieces, and you got Brooke Lopez, an actual veteran, um, I think the Lakers start trending slightly up. I think they will go from being the second worst team in the Western Conference to being the third, with a finishing thirteenth in the West. So. Wow, that's not very optimistic. I think it's slightly. I it's 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 within measure, I would say. But uh I I feel like they could be like You think 11th. they could be eleventh? I don't know, man. Yeah. And this is this is why I don't think they can be at that point. The Lakers are a terrible defensive team. 
I feel we get caught up with Kyle Kuzma's 19 points. We get caught up with Lonzo Ball's ability to distribute the ball. But in reality, the biggest problem with this team is defense. Last year, they gave up 106 points a game. They ranked 27th in the league. I'm still not sure how that doesn't put them dead last in defensive rating in the league. But they're not. But they're still towards the bottom. And they really didn't do anything to solve this problem. I don't think Lonzo Ball is much of a defensive stopper despite his large wingspan. Uh, Brandon Ingram's a small guy. Caldwell Pope, like I said, he hustles, but not really known as a defensive stopper. Um, I thought I thought Pope was a decent defender. Was, was no, I he's wrong decent. He plays with energy, but I mean that's one guy, and and I don't think that's going to solve the this big hole that they have. You know who had really good defense? Who is that? David Noel. <laughs> David Noava. Yep. I will say that guy, like, a, like, a, he's another guy that really hustled. Um, but yet again, on that, on that note, yeah, the Lakers are going to need to solve that problem. And I think moving forward, they also are going to have to start thinking about this young core that they've now built. And I think that's the storyline to follow here is what are they going to do with Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., Caldwell Pope, and Ingram after this season? Their big yeah. priority is, is maintaining that that cap flexibility to try to bring in a huge free agent, which I think is not mm-hmm. very smart to kind of plan your entire franchise future on LeBron James or Russell Westbrook or Paul George wanting to make that move out mm-hmm. west. But nonetheless, that looks like that's what the Lakers right. want to do. They haven't signed Julius Randle to a qualifying to his rookie qualifying offer. Um, and I think part of that is because Luke Walton has come out saying that he's unsure who he wants to start at that four. And part of that is with the rise of Kyle Kuzma, Larry Nance Jr. playing a lot better, and Julius Randle up to this point not really showing big signs of improvement. So I think Magic yeah. Johnson and Rob Palenka at the end of this year, at some point this season, are going to be thinking about trading away one of these big pieces of this young core, whether it's Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., maybe Caldwell, or I guess Brandon Ingram, who also hasn't really shown any signs that he's he's due for a big second-year breakout. Yeah, man, that would hurt a lot to also trade away another number two pick yeah. that they got. Uh, the first being D'Angelo Russell, but yeah, that's gonna be hu- tough. It's gonna, it's gonna hurt to lose any of these guys. Uh, once their contracts are up, because you know you you just know you're not gonna be able to pay all of them what they're gonna get on the free right. agent market. So you you see these young guys, you're like, all right, which one of these are gonna stay? Which ones are we gonna have to let go? And honestly, yeah, like what you're saying, trading them seems like the best benefit for them because at least they won't lose them completely. Right. And nothing. it goes back to like, just how bad does magic Johnson and Rob Palenka want to maintain that cap flexibility. Right. I'm guessing they definitely want to keep. That yeah. And I'm not sure if I agree so much with that plan. I mean, we just saw Russell Westbrook sign that huge deal. Um, Paul, I mean, one time we were banking on Paul George coming to LA, and he ended up resigning with the Pacers. And this year, at the same time, I don't, I don't see what would be the in- initiative or the incentive of Paul George coming to the West Coast. I think Sam Presti has built a pretty good team out there in Oklahoma City, and I think there's a higher chance that he resigns rather than coming out to LA. And it's, and it goes the same with any other, any of the perennial All Stars right now at this moment. So banking on that, um, I'm not sure. I don't think that's a very good idea. So I think 
Magic Johnson's they've they're gonna have to try to get creative. Um, whether they're gonna trade for these guys looking to bring in another long term project or whether they re-sign these guys and give them another opportunity and hopefully um we we actually start seeing some flashes of improvement. Yeah, I mean I'm in the camp that you do need to keep that cap flexible to try to bring in a star because the Lakers have been mediocre mm-hmm. for far too long. Like they've been bottom of the bucket, like trash for a while. No, Not, no yeah. offense, but but like Lakers fans, like yourself, are hungry for playoff victories yeah. that they're used to seeing. And you do that with a superstar in the free agency. You can't wait for these guys to go from oh, we'll be thirteenth in the West this year, then maybe we'll be eleventh next year, and then maybe eighth or ninth the next year after that. Like yeah, and that's what kind of sucks, and is a little unfair to some of these young guys. I mean, even to Luke Walton as a head coach, is that, I mean, patience is asking fans, basketball fans to be patient in L.A., especially Laker fans. Um, it's a it's a tough thing, you know, and especially when you already think about the years that oh, have yeah. gone by and how we've continued to suck. We've had the big management changes, all the drama that went down with the Laker ownership. I mean, these are signs sh- that are showing as if, like, the Lakers are are on their way to becoming a dysfunctional franchise, like sort of like what we're seeing in New Orleans or the Timberwolves, what they were in the 2000s. Um, and that's something that we don't want. But no way. I, and like, here's this note that I made is I think the GMs needs to show it's, they need to show some tough love to some of these young guys and, and let them know that, you know, the pressure is there and they've got to come out and put some effort on both ends of the floor. Cause like the big the big thing that stands out with this team is that it's the defense is on defense. They can't win they can't win games if you right. can, if you're not putting in the effort on on the other side of the floor as well. Yeah, I can definitely see this team scoring like 105 points a game, but giving up like yeah. 115. I mean, this is gonna be the. I mean, it's essentially like fantasy players out there. You're when you see your matchup playing against the Lakers, you're you're probably you're probably gonna cheer. Like <laughs> I mean guys like Damian Leonard are gonna light him up, uh Kevin Durant. Oh my gosh, yeah. Any of these guys, yeah. Like yeah, I don't know who the Lakers yeah. are gonna guard. And then well. And then moving forward, the X Factor, of course, outside of just this young core, there's one guy and there's only one guy that could possibly be called the X Factor, and that's Lonzo <laughs> Ball. Um yeah, I mean, himself. if this team is going to do anything crazy, I don't. I think it's going to take a miracle, like the biggest miracle in the world, for them to even qualify to even make the playoffs. But say they go, they finish eleventh or tenth, it'll a lot of it would have to be have to do with Lonzo Ball actually living up to the massive hype that has been manufactured for him, and he goes out there and wins Rookie of the Year and and solidifies himself as a top 40 player, top 30 player in this game off his rookie year, which is really, really tough to do, and very few people have been able to do it. Um, So just to kind of give you an idea of what he has to aim for to become rookie of the year, the last point guard to win rookie of the year was Michael Carter-Williams with averages of 16 points, 6 rebounds, and 6 assists. Yeah, that's right, when he was with the Sixers, right? Yeah, I mean, Lonzo's going to have as much opportunity as Michael Carter-Williams did being on the Lakers. He's going to be the guy the mm-hmm. offense runs through. Like he and that starting role is very it's like very strong. Like there's no way he's yeah. losing that. So, it's let's see how he plays, how he what he does with his opportunity. 
Um, and then how this young core actually also responds to the, the pressures and the challenges they've got this season. Um, and then moving yeah. up north, you got the Sacramento Kings, a team that's Sacramento, Sacramento Queens. Queens. And this is another franchise <laughs> that's kind of been dysfunctional the last the last decade, pretty much. Um, so the Kings are also, like the Lakers, are looking to move forward with their young core. Um, and also a young point guard that they also got who arguably could be Lonzo Ball's biggest rival in the next coming years. So their big additions yeah. is George Hill, 40-year-old Vince Carter, um, <laughs> and Zach Randolph. Well, I, I don't know. Man. Yep. Savvy vets, man. Some old yeah, I guess Vladi Divac is banking on these guys providing some leadership to the young guys that he brought in. But I'll give him praise. I think they had a, probably collectively one of the better drafts out of any team in the NBA. They brought in De'Aaron yeah. Fox out of Kentucky, 16 points and four assists in college. Frank Mason, the college player of the year coming out of Kansas, a 23-year-old. So he was a guy who stayed for four years there. Harry Giles out of Duke. Justin Jackson out of North Carolina, um, national part of that national championship game. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think that was the theme with the Sacramento Kings is try to bring in guys who come from a winning culture. Um, even if it's just a call from college. Um, so they brought in this, these, this group of guys to try to turn around that culture that the franchise has kind of carried with guys like DeMarcus cousins and Rudy Gay and a lot of those other guys that just journeymen that just kind of came in and out of the Kings franchise ever since those last winning days that they had back in the early 2000s. Right. Yeah. I think, I think if the, it starts turning around for the Kings, mm-hmm. it's now uh, DeMarcus cousins. I don't know. I just feel like DeMarcus cousins was holding them back for the yeah. longest time. It's a, it's a weird Something topic because the guy, I mean, his numbers are well, he's a double, he's a, a double double machine averaging over 20 points a game but yeah like he for whatever reason it doesn't translate to team wins but speaking on that he's gone Ben McLemore is gone Rudy Gay Aaron Ofalo Tyreek Evans Langston Galloway and Ty Lawson It's funny because a lot of these guys at one point were considered great prospects like when you go back to Rudy Gay Ben McLemore or Tyreek Evans these guys were um I mean they were considered guys who could potentially have a lot of upside It's kind of funny how yeah, I mean Ty- Tyreek Evans put up some really good numbers yeah. early in his career. And now especially. they're they're all essentially gone and become NBA journeymen's. Uh, so, anyways. Yeah, but I mean, I really. I, I'll yeah. go for it. What were you gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna say I I just really like what they did in the draft. Just looking at it more and more, like these guys, these guys are bona fide mm-hmm. winners. Like they they all have good attitudes. Like they all know like what it takes yeah. to win at the college level, but I mean, they've all played each other at some point in the NCAA and they know, they know what it's like to play with like the best competition. And yeah, I think they don't have a lot of expectations on them either uh, because it's the Kings. So they're going to play with some, with some, uh, yeah, abandon. You could say that might be their advantage over the Lakers is unlike, Unlike the Lakers young core, like they they essentially don't have any pressure. They don't have a fan base or, or the sort of media attention that the Los Angeles Lakers have constantly carry around with them. So that'll help. Right. Um and I mean you add that young draft class to to Buddy Heel, another guy who had some who had a lot of success in college. And this is a guy who averaged eight points in New Orleans and then got traded and all of a sudden started averaging fifteen points and shooting forty two percent from three. 
Uh, and then you add him with De'Aaron Fox. Man, is that the next backcourt duo of the future? <laughs> you know, you know what I think. Buddy Heald's what ceiling is, it? is JJ Redick. JJ Redick. Oh Redick. man, I I have yep. high hopes for Buddy Hill. Something about him just—I think he's got it. I think he can potentially be one of those guys that sneaks into the All Star game once in his career. Nah. Nope, I can see never it. gonna happen. Zach and... Randolph was a was an all star at one point. David West was an all star at one point. Dude, Zach Randolph was. Really I think Buddy good. Hill can get his production. David West was really good. I don't know, man. I I don't see it at all. I don't see it in him. He's just a shooter. I don't know, That's man. We'll is. see it. Anyways, um, in terms of team overall, I think it's stagnant. I think they're they're not gonna they're not gonna get any more better than they were last year. I think they finished fourteenth in the West, potentially last, but I think they'll they'll I have them at fourteen. Um, and this is funny. So when I was looking at the X factor, I thought the easy choice could have obviously been one of those rookies that I named earlier. But I actually went with somebody right. else, and this is a guy that the Kings acquired their rights the rights to a couple years ago, and he's finally coming overseas to play for the Kings. Um, it's Bogdan Bogdanovic, 25-year-old. Um, he's a European star. Um, he averaged 20 points, 20, points ga- 20 points a game in the Euro Cup. And here's a fun fact. He actually signed the most lucrative rookie contract in NBA history. This offseason to come play for the Lake for the Kings. Oh, really? Um, three years and twenty-seven million dollars. So this is a guy that Vladi Divac is really high on. Um, he's a shooter as well, a scorer. He's really smooth. I saw some highlights of his of him playing in Europe. Um, he's he's six foot seven, so he's he's got a he's got a solid. Yeah, he's a Season solid size. NBA body. But a lot of things with these European guys is they. They're not quick. They're not athletic enough a lot of times to sort of become all-stars in the NBA. So, so we'll see where he goes. But Vlade Divac was high on him and decided to bring him over. So, I mean, if this guy actually turns out, averages 20 points in the NBA, heck, we might see the Kings in the playoffs pretty soon. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be insane. Yeah, yeah. to that point about the European players, like I forget where I saw this, but there, there was something an NBA exec or a coach talking about European players and how I think it was actually mm-hmm. Greg Popovich. <laughs> Don't quote me on that yeah. though. Saying that like European players, their, their skills are just as refined as American players, but they're just not as yeah. big and strong and athletic. And so that's where you really see the divide between the American and the European players is like American dudes are just way more. Yeah. Jacked. And I mean, I think it just goes back. I think it kind of goes back to the style, the style of play American players grow up with versus European players. European European players True. play a lot more up tempo. They shoot the ball a lot more. Whereas American, we kind of play a lot more physical, a lot of mo- post up. Although it is changing a lot, um, but historically, yeah, guys like Steph yeah, Curry, with guys with the teams like the Warriors. But I mean, historically. The U.S. has always had a mo had like I mean you look at the NBA back in the '90s, the '80s, and the early 2000s. Big men dominated the league, right? Yep. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, so moving on. Uh, sorry, we're gonna end this one with a fizzle. The all the end of all of our division previews. We get to end with the yep. Phoenix Suns. It's the sun rising this season, <laughs> so, man. Oh, this the sun is continuing <laughs> to set for another season here. If there is one ray, sun ray of hope, 
it is the guy that they drafted, Josh Jackson, really the only <laughs> new arrival to come to the Suns. Uh, I mean, great, played great at Kansas, averaged 16.3 points, 7.4 rebounds, and 1.7 steals. Super athletic guy. He's got a great head <laughs> of hair. Um, the only problem with his game right now is he has one of the worst jump yep. shots um, out, out coming out of that draft. So he's going to have to improve on that uh, to truly be a great NBA player. Um, and actually, as far as departures, they didn't lose literally anybody. The team's exactly yeah, the same. Yeah, if that's... Like, they... they they sat there and did nothing the entire offseason while everything's happening I around I bet them. Eric Bledsoe has got to be just pulling his hairs about this. I don't know how he hasn't come <laughs> out publicly and just... Uh, maybe he likes being there, I guess, but did they just essentially... Yeah, he's, he's a good player. Or one of them, He's a least, good player, yeah. and they just shut him down yeah, towards the great. end of the season, just didn't play him like the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean... You got Devin Booker there. That's your, like really your only other guy you're playing with. But Eric Bledsoe, man, he's great talent. Uh, I I really loved watching him when he played for the Clippers. Actually, um, he he was a great backup to Chris Paul. Um, but we had to let him go because he he did deserve a reserve role. <laughs> yeah, he's a great player. And it but sucks for I, him to end up yeah. in Phoenix where he doesn't play the last two weeks. And then he's I mean, obviously this team is in rebuild mode. So why don't they ship him off? I don't know. I feel bad for the guy. Yeah. I mean, so they did, I think they did try to ship him off uh, when Kyrie Irving was trying right, to take a suitor. Right. And they, but they weren't willing to give up Josh Jackson in the trade. So it didn't happen. And so Eric Bledsoe stuck in Phoenix for another year at least. Um, but yeah, this team has rebuilding written mm-hmm. all over it. Like they, they got no superstars in free agency. The team's exactly the same. They're all really young. And, yeah, they they have a terrible defense too. So they're just they're gonna be last in the West. They are going to be last. I'm calling you right now. It's not much of a bet to make, but I gotta I just gotta put it out there. Um, they also have uh, some sad news that Brandon Knight actually tore his ACL late uh, in the season last year, is missing the entire season this year. So as if it wasn't bad enough for yeah. them, that it gets worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I gotta agree with you. Um, I don't, but, I don't yeah. see. Yeah, this team's gonna finish last. <laughs> I know, there's, it's, it's true. It's sad, but yeah, I mean, really, you got Alex Len who you drafted over CJ McCollum and Giannis Antetokounmpo oh. in 2013. <laughs> he, he's proven to be nothing. He's still back up to Tyson Chandler, 35 <laughs> year old Tyson Chandler is outplaying this guy who you drafted over some bonafide <laughs> stars. Oh, so sad. Yeah, if if there is one guy who is gonna do anything cool for them, it's definitely yeah. Devin Booker. Averaged twenty two points a game last year. Uh, score put up seventy in a loss. <laughs> I don't know how that happens, but if a guy can score seventy, uh, there's no way he's a fluke. Uh, he's the real deal. So it'll be really cool to see what he yeah. can do. Yeah, I hope that. So um, I just wanted to yeah. cut in really quick about that 70 because sure. I just feel like if Devin Booker does not end up becoming a perennial all-star, just like a, a force in this league at some point in his career, I think that 70 point game will become one of the most infamous trivia questions. <laughs> yeah. Like who scored the most yeah. points in a and loss? And like nobody will know the answer <laughs> to it. <laughs> yeah. 
but we'll know and our listeners are yeah know, just so like 20 years from now it'll be at a pizza parlor like that's that'll be the the weekly trivia question that nobody can get <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm gonna bust that one out i'm yeah. feel so cool but yeah so i'm gonna put the x factor on this team not that it matters too much because it is the suns but uh tj warren uh, actually has improved every year since his rookie year three years ago. Averaged 14.4 and 5.1 last year. And continues to produce more uh, every season the more mm-hmm. minutes he's been given. Uh, the only knock on him really is that he's a terrible three-point shooter. 26%. Uh, for a small forward, you're going to have to shoot way better than that from three, especially yeah. in today's NBA. Um, so if he can continue to improve... And you got Devin Booker, you got Eric Bledsoe, maybe they, and I mean, Josh Jackson, we'll see what he can do. Maybe they can be 13th or 14th in the West <laughs> if they're lucky. Yeah, they beat out the Kings or they put the Lakers back in last place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a shame. But yeah, the storyline to follow here, <laughs> I think, so. when do they start to tank? <laughs> How how long do they try? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sucks. Like the draft has not gone in their favor despite them uh, essentially purposely, consciously, and obviously tanking. Like, I mean, you shut down Eric Bledsoe to try to chase that top two pick. And what do you know? The Lakers get take it out over you. The 76ers take it over you. And even the year prior to that, the Suns also missed out on a top two pick. So the draft has just, yep. the draft lottery has not been kind to this franchise. <laughs> but yeah, that'll do it. That's our Pacific Division preview. We're ready for the season now. Next week, uh, we will we will talk about the... Actually, next week, we'll be at Los Angeles for the season opener between the Lakers and the Clippers, and we'll talk about those opening night games. Heck yeah, that'll be awesome. Yeah, so one last... So before we close it off, obviously, I got to reveal the answer to that oh, trivia yeah, question. Yeah. But you're actually going to have to wait... Uh, okay. Before okay, you're actually gonna have to wait for one more thought before I reveal that answer, because I actually just realized that I actually wanted to close it out with one more final, with my actual final thought, which is Russell Westbrook. What about him? Russell Westbrook in, in an interview, um, essentially was just answering questions, <laughs> and guess what he had on? And not like any attire isn't surprising, but he had a shirt that said "Adopt a Cat," <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's awesome. It is just. It's just hilarious because it's all, I mean, it's speculation, but every, we all feel like he's obviously referring to the Kevin Durant tweet when he called out everybody in the third person, when he exactly said he can't win a championship with those cats. Yeah. Oh (laughs) man. I didn't even make that connection. That's hilarious. Yeah. So (laughs) so final thought on that, Russell Westbrook, um, you got a super team. Now you're going to be fighting for a finals berth and please never change. Continue your passive aggressiveness because it's entertaining to everybody. He's such a legend. Yeah. And now the answer for, to that trivia question, who is Kanye West's favorite NBA player? Well, actually two weeks ago, he revealed it and actually he didn't reveal it. The NBA player themselves revealed it, which is Mike Conley from the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, I did not expect that. Mike Conley. Mike class. Yeah. Mike Conley revealed in an interview that he randomly got a call from Kanye West at some point in the middle of the night, just praising him for the type of player that he is and, um, and complimenting him on his fashion taste and (laughs) basically saying that he doesn't get the love that he deserves. And what a, what a random event. 
Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I'd feel honored if Kanye said I was my if I was his favorite basketball player. That's pretty cool for Mike Conley. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, we'll go. I'll go ahead and close the we'll close the podcast with uh, just a little snippet from that interview. But everybody, thanks for tuning in. And uh, if you like this podcast, don't forget to like us on SoundCloud or follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play or also check us out on TuneIn um, and also like our Facebook page. Why not? Do it all. Do it all. <laughs> Have a good week, guys. And I was just like, hello? You know, he was like, yeah, this is Jay. I was like, ooh, you know, kind of kept trying to put it together. And um, long story short, he's just like, man, just come out and, you know, to L.A. Whenever you're out in L.A., we'll get together. So, hey, I just want to let you know I, I admire you. I look, you know, I really like, you know, what you do. I hate to see that you're underrated. I mean, just going through all these things, like, he actually watches me play. Like, I was, that's what I was thinking in my head. He knows a lot about me. Like, he wasn't reading off a of paper or anything. He was just, like, going, like, man, yeah, I just think that you can you can be you know, up here and they just don't see you like that. You know, I'm just like, man, I, I, I 100% I'm with you. Like, I understand. Like, what can we do? Like, help me. Come on. I'm a-